What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Hello, brave souls. Welcome back to Fear. Today's episode is the conclusion of our Mysteries of the Cryptids anthology. So, without further ado, I give you The Mysteries of the Cryptids, Part 13 through 16, by Bourne Beach. Part 13 The great creature crashed down on the shore, and the ground trembled. Its eyes were a wild purple, and its skull was pointed with a thick, jutting brow. The beast lowered one of its massive arms to the ground, breathing furiously. Each exhale marked a plume of steam in the chilly night. Jake left me, slowly circling the newcomer. He sniffed at the air like a dog at a butcher shop. His simian hands flexing in and out of fists. Didn't think he'd take so well with the serum. The serum? Was that my dad? If it was, it looked nothing like him now. It stood at least 15 feet tall, towering over Jake by two or three hands. Its skin was a mottled gray, and two fangs grew upward from its lower jaw. A trail of tangled, thick hair fell over its naked shoulders. It looked like a mountain troll. Or is it even you in there? Jake continued, chuckling. Maybe you just smelled the blood of an Englishman and came running on over. The troll let out a deafening screech, its voice like nails on a chalkboard turning up to twenty. It dashed at Jake, but Jake was faster. His ape-like body gave him agility that the creature couldn't match, and he clambered on the thing's backside, wrapping his thick arms around its neck. Now I know where Maddie gets his temper from, Jake grunted, squeezing his chokehold tighter. His dear old dad. The troll bucked and hollered, its short legs kicking up stones in every direction as it lashed out, attempting to reach Jake and toss him off. Fuck, so that thing was dad. Worse yet, Jake had him in a bad position. He lacks Jake's flexibility, and apparently his capability for human thought. Whatever self-awareness Jake and Nolan had learned over their years was missing from my father. He was near mindless thrashing about like a rabid animal. He looked feral. Jake was distracted, though. The dagger gleamed in the corner of my vision, framed by the last dying rays of moonlight. If I could reach it, maybe I could catch Jake unaware and hurt him enough for Dad to get the upper hand. Once Dad had knocked him around some, I could stake the bastard and put an end to this summoning bullshit. I pressed down with my good arm, trying to use it to leverage myself upright, but the pain was unbearable. I collapsed back on the beach, battered and broken. It was no use. I was just some guy trying to fight literal monsters and had paid the price. But I wasn't alone. Eric! I called, craning my neck to look at him. He hadn't moved. On the contrary, he looked to have settled in. His eyes danced in the moonlight and the faintest hint of his smirk played at the corner of his mouth. Eric! I shouted again. In the background, the sound of our father's voice grew quieter, more labored. Jake's chokehold might not be able to kill him, but we'd seen with the shotgun blast that enough punishment could slow the cryptids down. Eric, look at me for God's sake. Eric did, but it didn't seem like my brother. He looked identical to him, but his eyes were cold, dead. His anxious fidgeting had been replaced by a calm indifference. What is it, Matt? He said. The tone was all wrong. Damn it. Had the summoning finished? If it had, it lacked the climactic flair old horror movies had promised me. That's dad, I said, looking sidelong at the wheezing troll. He needs our help. My brother walked toward me with an uncharacteristic swagger. His messy black hair swept up in the breeze. Why don't you help him, then? 
I'm a little hurt, I spat, gritting my teeth. In case you couldn't tell. Eric drew up in front of me, his skin sallower, paler than I remember, his eyes flickering with hints of gold. We spent several long moments staring at each other, my heart beating out of my chest. He looked perfectly comfortable, though. Amused, even. When he spoke, it was a word I hadn't understood. Something from another language. Deriul. The world began to melt away. The sounds of Jake and Dad retreating to the background. The sense and sensations around me fading until I was surrounded by an encroaching, suffocating darkness. What was happening? Was I dying? My brother's voice echoed around me. Please, Mav! She wept. Please! I could see her now. Her figure coming to life through the black of my memories. She wore her favorite summer dress, dotted with bright sunflowers, and on her head, a wicker gardening hat. She smiled at me. Mom? I said, my voice stronger than it had been earlier. I felt whole again here, in the depths of my memories. She brought a finger to her mouth. Shh, Eric's coming. We don't want to ruin the surprise, do we? I blinked, staring at her. I'd almost forgot the shine of her dark hair, the playfulness in her eyes, the kindness in her smile. She was such a nice memory. Why had I avoided it for so long? The light that framed her spilled out, illuminating the hardwood floor we stood upon, and then the walls with their dull, baby-blue wallpaper, and finally the ceiling, where an old fan spun lazily, cooling us from the summer sun. We were in the room I shared with Eric. In each corner were two beds, dressed in bright Power Ranger blankets. The floor was covered in action fingers and unfinished rounds of board games. The memory shifted. Eric is with us in the room now, small and young just as I was. We must have been nine or ten. He didn't look happy, though. He was throwing toys about, stomping around the room and screaming at Mom. I don't care about my birthday. I don't want to hear anything more. I don't want to hear him anymore. I want the voice to leave me alone. The voice. The bedroom began to twist, spin out of control. I was back in the unending darkness, the blank void where my memories lived. She wants us to be our last dose, Grandma said. She sounded hazy, dreamlike. Her words drifted in from somewhere in the unending abyss. She'll have one last swim, and then she wants it to stop. For all of them. She's a coward, Jake shouted. The memory began to build again, and I was in the outhouse. The voices were right outside of it. Eric has all the potential, and she's jealous of him. Matthew, Grandma said, not Eric. Matthew is the one best suited. He's less affected by the serum. But that's exactly why it needs to be Eric, Jake argued. We want somebody powerful, somebody willing to do what needs to be done. Hush, keep your voice down. The boys might hear. Relax, Ma, Jake said with a sigh. They're swimming in the river, and no one's keeping an eye on them. I heard him pacing. Eric's potential is enormous, and we should be leveraging that. He's not himself on the serum, Grandma snapped. And by the way, Alice suspects you've been dosing him. I've assured her that we've forbidden it, but I'm beginning to think you're not listening to me either. Jake kicked something, a bucket or a large can. Come on. You know Alice doesn't believe in this anymore. She's killing herself fighting the damn serum. You've seen her. She looks half dead. It's her choice to make, Grandma said. I'll remind you that she's watching the boys from the water. I wouldn't try anything if I were you. Jake laughed. She's a little sister. I'd be warning her not to try anything. The memory lurched again, this time taking us back to the mountain. Except it was a bright day, and Mom, Eric, and I were on the river, sitting up on the big rock where he'd read mysteries. Mom looked more unhappy than she had earlier. Her eyes were framed by dark bags, and her posture was slouched, exhausted. She smiled in spite of it, though, and I smiled back, so happy to be with her again, so happy to feel like a family again. If we catch a fish, can I kill it? Eric said. A comment caught me off guard. Eric was staring blankly into the water, 
his skin paler than before. He kept scratching at the back of his neck, and I saw marks there. Some scabbed over. I call it, Matt. I get to kill it. Don't worry so much about that, Mom said calmly. I tried to speak, too, but the words weren't there. I was an accessory to this, it seemed, and nothing more. Still, it was nice to be back there, before things had turned so bad. Before that night had ruined everything. Try to enjoy the water, Mom added. It's a beautiful day. I hate the sun, Eric spat, bitterness creeping into his voice. I want to see the cave again. Mom shifted, looking uncomfortable. Grandma told you we can't go there, sweetheart. For some reason, this memory felt familiar, though. I couldn't piece what happened next. He glared at her. Uncle Jake took me there. I know where it is. My mouth opened. Words came out. But they weren't mine. They were words I had said years ago. Come on, Eric. Jake's letting us borrow his fishing gear and it's a freaking nice day. Who cares about a stupid cave? He didn't so much as glance at me, just stared back at the over the water, silent. My vision blurred and the memory swept me away again. This time the change was subtle, and it couldn't have been more than a few hours later. The sun was setting now, painting the blue sky in the shades of orange and red. I was reeling in a fish. Why did this feel so familiar? It gave me a horrible feeling, and I couldn't place why. Mom! I shouted. I think it's a big one. Great job, Maddie. Uncle Jake will be really impressed. She beamed to me, and I felt my heart melt. Just in time for dinner, too, she added with a wink. I loved her so much, missed her so much. I'd forgotten how moody Eric could be, but that didn't really matter. Not really. Kids were like that, after all. And we were a family here, a real one. I finished reeling the fish in and pulled the hook from his mouth. The trout flopped and squirmed on the rock, desperate to return to the river. My young stomach twisted, realizing this was the part where we had to kill it. I'd never killed anything bigger than a bug. Can I do it? Eric said, doing a poor job of masking his excitement. He eyed the fish hungrily. Mom looked tired, exhausted. Maddie caught it. I think he should. It's okay, I said. I honestly didn't think I had it in me to kill a thing. You do it. I tossed the fish to Eric, gladly, and he held it on the rock. I think it'd be easier with a knife, Eric said. Jake always uses the knife when he kills his fish. He looked at our mother expectantly his eyes drifting to the tackle box at her side. She hesitated, but opened the latches on the tackle box and pulled out Jake's gutty knife. She passed it to Eric, handle first. He took it eagerly and gazed at it reverently before stabbing it down through the fish's head. It wriggled, and he hacked at it again and again. Then he cut into it, carving at it on the rock. Guts spilled out and blood coated his fingers. Stop, I shouted. You're ruining it. He looked up, and I felt uneasy. Those eyes that panting excitement on my brother's face. I was beginning to remember this moment, and I wanted to leave. The sun inched behind the tree line, casting a shadow over the rock and over us. Shut up, Matt, Eric growled. That's enough, Eric, Mom said. A nervousness had slipped into her tone. She held out her hand. You've killed it. Now let's put away the knife. Eric looked down at the blade, dripping with blood, coated in what remained of the fish. He blinked, then stared up at her mother. There was something wrong with the way he looked at her. It was the same way he gazed at the fish. No, he said. I want to keep the knife. Just give it to her, you dick, I snapped. I was angry at him for ruining my fish and our dinner. Young me had been so proud of catching it, so proud of the chance to show it to Uncle Jake that I was practically fuming over Eric's treatment of it. I was too young to notice the danger of the situation and Eric's expression. I wanted to look away, but the memory dictated I stare at him. Furious, frustrated, 11 years old and completely oblivious to the subtext of the moment. Dread began mounting inside of me, but I had no way to communicate that to the younger me. 
to my mother. The truth was, I realized why this felt so wrong and so familiar. It was 12 years ago, moments before nightfall. The knife, Eric, Mom said more forcefully. She nodded toward her open hand. Now please. I already told you I'm keeping it, Eric screamed. He pulled back, clutching the knife to his chest. Tears streamed from his eyes. He wants me to have it, and he'll hurt me if I give it back. Now, Mother said, raising her voice. Her patient has run its course, and she reached for it. Eric slashed at her. She recoiled in a spray of blood, cradling her hand to her stomach with a shriek. I froze, my heart thundering in my chest. No, there was no way. This couldn't have happened. It was a lie, all of it. A mother had died in a river boating accident. I knew that. Eric knew that. Per diem was doing this, affecting my memories. Strangely, Eric, I didn't think I'd take any convincing for you at all, Jake's words echoed. Or are you still pretending you didn't murder my sister? The memory kept playing, and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't affect anything here. I couldn't even look away. I was at the mercy of his history. Eric rose, and my mom tried to as well. But he caught her across the face with a knife. More blood. So much blood. She stumbled backwards, falling with an anguished moan of the rock. Please, Matthew, she wept. Please! Her voice broke my paralysis, and the younger me launched at them. My fear and shock replaced by adrenaline. Eric slammed the knife into her, and I kicked him as hard as I could, square in the face. He flew off of her. His body slid down the big rock and fell to the beach of the groan. My chest felt tight with panic, with terror. I turned to Mom and saw the knife sitting down to its hilt in her chest. Blood pooled over her white sunflower dress, turning it to a horrible crimson. Tears spilled out of my eyes and I screamed for help. I screamed for Jake, for Grandma. What did I do now? I was just a kid. Mom, I whimpered. Mom. She didn't respond. Her eyes were blank, her body still. The gray of the rock had been replaced by a slick coating of red, barking sound in the distance. Grip. Something struck me in the back of my skull and I dropped next to Mom. My head throbbed, my vision blurred. Beside me, there was a wet sound, and I realized the knife was being pulled from my mom's chest. I rolled over, disoriented and scared and running entirely on instinct now. Eric stood above me. He slashed at me, and I threw up a hand to protect my face. Blood sprayed across my t-shirt, and I screamed. He swung the blade again, cutting at me over and over. Finally, with his other hand, he grabbed my arm and pressed it down, out of his way. Then he was on top of me, the knife to my throat, and I was too terrified and too much pain to move or react. His eyes glinted with a hint of gold. No, that's too quick, Eric hissed. He adjusted himself, moving the blade away from my throat. Agony tore through me. The knife stabbed in my side, slowly sliding deeper and deeper. My will to fight began to fade. I couldn't feel the younger me giving in, giving up. My brother was killing me. I watched the memory play out in horror. This wasn't Eric. It wasn't the man I knew. Something terrible had happened to him. Griff's barking grew louder, and I heard Grandma shouting. Eric looked up, his face losing the manic terror. The next moment, Jake pulled him off me, and Eric kicked and screamed and shouted. His voice turned to mumbles, slurring, before going completely silent. He's killed them, Grandma shrieked. Inside of my younger body, I felt my heartbeat slowing. My skin grew cold. It was all I could do to keep my eyelids open, for fear that if I shut them, I might never open them again. Things were dimming, getting murkier by the second. Somebody appeared over top of me, holding my eyes open and staring into them. Maddie's still alive, but he's hurt bad. It was Jake. We can save him with a dose. Grandma's whimpers turned to sobbing howls. My Alice. Ma, Jake shouted. The serum. Hand it to me or your grandson dies. I couldn't see Grandma from my position. 
but she must have agreed silently, because Jake was leaning over me again, this time with a satchel of draped across his chest. He reached into the bag and pulled something out, and then I felt a thin sharpness pierce my forearm. And Alice? Jake said, looking over to me where my mom's body lay. I don't think a dose of this is going to make a difference for her. Grandma shuffled into frame. She looked panicked. Her eyes were wide, and her frame, normally strong for her age, looked with horror. We'll have to give her more then. What if it's not enough? Jake said, rising from me. My vision was distorted. Hardly there at all, but I could make out an empty syringe in his hand. He stepped the syringe in the satchel bag. What if she dies anyway? How are we going to explain that? A pause. We'll have to throw her in the river, downstream, somewhere we can lose her body. Fair enough, Jake said. Can't have the authorities poking around up here. We'll need to make sure the boys don't remember a thing. This was a riverboating accident, nothing more. You hear me, Jacob? Poor Maddie's hand got cut up by the propeller when the boat toppled over. Grandma nodded to herself, running a hand through her short curls of gray hair. That's it. We'll scuttle your fishing boat and tell the sheriff it was an accident, nothing more. Let's hope she survives then, Jake said with a grim chuckle. I love that boat. My vision faded to black and then slowly, gradually, sounds returned. The high-pitched screeches of my father being choked by Jake. The words of Eric, or the monster wearing his skin, still standing before me. You see now, that this was him all along, Eric said. He leaned down, and opened my jacket with a look of fascination. Jake did all this, a good effort, but unfocused, messy. He gently put a hand near my stomach. Ah, and there you go. I suspected as much, given your glassy expression. You've already done it. I looked down, followed his gaze on my open jacket. Shit! The syringe I'd pocketed earlier was sticking out of my side, still halfway full of swirling emerald serum. Its cap must have fallen off when Jake tossed me around. I'll let you in on a little secret, Matthew, Eric said, leaning down to whisper in my ear. It's finished. Eric's gone. I've crossed from beyond the veil, and now there's no turning back. I wanted to scream, to cry, but it was too much. I was too weak, too hurt. Perdiam brought a cold hand to the side of my head and tilted it, so that I was staring at Jake and Dad. Their fighting had escalated, and Dad was losing, badly. Jake's Sasquatch arm still squeezed his throat, but now he had to... But now he had bit into him as well. His long, jagged canine pierced his neck. Blood leaked from my dad by the gallon, drenched the shore beneath. Your father is weakening, Perdiam said. Once your uncle's weakened him enough, he'll kill him. He can't touch the dagger, I said. My words were slurred now. Was that because of the serum? It's silver. Perdiam chuckled, standing up and dusting Eric's jeans off. You got on pretty well. Alas, no need for the silver. Now when your uncle can merely rip his heart free and be done with it. I didn't feel well. I felt nauseous, dazed. It was hard to think, like each thought was moving through molasses. You can't stop it, Matthew. Perdiam's words seemed distant, difficult to make out. Join me, and we can stop it together. Another screech and Dad's body crashed to the ground, shaking the shoreline and causing a small rock slide of pebbles into the river. Splash! Splash! I wanted to rest, close my eyes and go to sleep. Forever. I wasn't afraid anymore. I was ready. Another screech. Weaker this time. Dad was hurt, and he needed me. I'd lost everybody. Mom, Eric, Grandma. Dad was all I had left, and I was letting him down all over again. I didn't have a choice. If per diem was already here, then it didn't matter whether or not I became a monster. Not anymore. 
the war was lost. But I could still win this battle. I could still kill Jake and still save my father. I found the syringe in my stomach, and I pressed down on the plunger. Part 14 Adrenaline rioted through me, each breast like fire in my lungs, and each movement sending pins and needles shooting through my nervous system. My eyes bulged as pressure built in my skull, and I felt thirsty. So thirsty my mouth was parched and my tongue was fat. But I wasn't thirsty for water. I wanted blood. I needed it. My bones snapped and twisted, piercing my skin at points while I choked on my teeth as they fell free of my gums. I let out an anguished scream as my spine elongated, popping and cracking as it snaked its way further and further up my growing torso. I clenched my fists, willing myself to bear the pain. Was this what Dad had gone through? Mom? My neck cranked, snapping in all the directions. Fuck. I'd never been in such agony. It was like my entire body was being torn apart and reassembled from the inside out. My consciousness flickered, but my grounding exercises kept me awake. That and Dad. I had to save him, even if it killed me. I had to. Because he was the only person left to save, and I couldn't bear to let another person down. Lucky for me, saving him meant killing Jake. I blinked and my eyelids felt slick, wet, and heavy. My vision was no longer the dim, shadowy thing from moments ago. Rather now it was a mess of colors, an abstract painting of madness and instinct. A shotgun blast rang out and I staggered to my feet, searching for the source. Nobody else was here, though. I was still just per diem, my father, and Jake. No shotguns, no firearms. I shook my head, feeling dazed and disoriented. Another blast sounded, and another. I realized they were coming from right beneath me, and I looked down, catching sight of my fingernails falling to the stone shore. They dropped in slow motion, like leaves drifting down from trees, or something descending through water. One struck the ground and I recoiled, its gentle collision creating another ear-splitting blast of sound. I became aware of my ears, tugging upward and grounding on the side of my head. A cacophony of noise began erupting around me, each sound amplified by a factor of thousands, each bringing me new agony to my senses. I could hear everything distinctly, too distinctly. My father's heartbeat, slow and labored, drumming like a death march, while per diem's laughter echoed like bats screaming in a cave. I was consumed by sound, pain, and terror. Look at that, Jake's voice said, loud as a jet engine. Your son's finally decided to come around. I heard the muscles in Jake's arms contract, followed by a chorus of my father's desperate wheezes, more blood thundering on the shore. Could I hear Jake smiling? I needed to get over there. I stepped toward them and stumbled, my legs numb and unresponsive. Damn it! Clearly my body was still working its way through the transformation. It was all I could do to stand on my my fast-growing legs and not keel over. I growled, staring at Jake. My entire being felt magnetized toward him. I was desperate to sink my teeth into him, to pay him back a hundred times for all the horror he had caused my family. Soon, I promised, soon. My breath quickened in anticipation but each gulp of air felt different, smoother, easier. Where before my exhales would steam the chilly night, now there was nothing. The air inside of me was frigid cold. I was leveling out now, adjusting to the serum. The ungodly pain that had been omnipresent before was slowly tapering off, and I realized the transformation must nearly finished. I looked down, gazing at my new body beneath my leather jacket and torn t-shirt. I was lean, but I felt strong, stronger than I ever believed I could be. Stronger than I ever believed anything could be. Yes, I could do it now. I could end Jake. I could drink his blood and wash away the terrible thirst. 
I licked my lips and found my tongue much longer than before. Serpentine and forked. Welcome to the family, Maddie, Jake shouted. Why don't you come on down and convince your dad to see some light of reason? Dad! I flexed my hands and realized they, too, were different now. My fingers were long and thin, playing host to a set of horrible sharp claws. Good. Those would come in handy. I won't lie to you, Matthew, Per Diem said. I'm impressed, but unsurprised. I looked to him, willing my spell to speak, but only managing guttural grunts and snarls. He chuckled, placing his hands on his hips. Still learning, aren't you? His eyes shifted to Jake, who was still perched atop my father, chewing into his neck, drenching the shore in blood. It took Jacob years to master sentence, and longer still to truly control his for- true form. I shouted at him to stop this, to let my brother go, but it materialized as an ear-splitting roar and nothing more. You're adjusting incredibly well, Per Diem circled me, his gold-flecked eyes drifting up and down my person, his lips in a near-constant state of grin. Your father is nearly as brutish as he was a man, but you twitched. His head snapped to the side with a choking cough. A moment later, he ran a gentle hand over his neck and smiled. Sorry, still getting used to my new suit. Looks like they're both acquainting ourselves to these new forms, aren't we? I heard his words and understood them, but I couldn't respond. Why not? What? I managed to say, though the word came out twisted, broken, and strange. Perdiam's eyes lit up. Ah, there it is. A new record, I should think. He pulled out Eric's phone and looked at it, before shrugging and tossing off the river with a splash. Dead battery. Can't set a time for certain. But your arrival of speech is certainly impressive nonetheless. What? I said again, pushing the words out more naturally now. I tried to say the next piece, but only managed to choke and growl. Easy does it, Matthew, pretty aim coached. Try again, this time without the emotion. It's often such a stumbling block. Fucking hell, alright, once more. What am I? The words were harsh and their pronunciation unnatural, but they were there. Perdiem clapped his hands enthusiastically. Oh, well done. I always knew you were an apex, but to achieve this level of mastery so quickly, you're a true prodigy. I would have been happy to have you serve as my vessel. What? I repeated, and this time the anger seeped to my words. Am I? Right, Perdiem said, bringing a hand to his chin and appraising me thoroughly. Well, you're certainly quite tall. Those fangs, though. His playful smile vanished, replaced by his piercing smirk. I would say you resemble a vampire. One of the old ones. Old ones. Dad's voice rang out and I realized I didn't care anymore. I stepped toward Jake, my legs feeling stronger and more balanced now. Yes, it was high time to finish this. I flexed my claws and let out a screech before springing forward. Ready to end the bastard's existence. Per diem grabbed my heel, midair, and flung me backwards onto the shore. I crashed into a shower of stone pebbles. Yes, Per Diem said, standing in front of me and examining Eric's nails nonchalantly. The old ones were those who existed before the madness of man, before people wiped them from existence. They are the firstborn of this world. I staggered back to my feet. All right, so Per Diem was powerful and fast, faster than I was. I looked back at Jake and my father, hating that even as I was now, there was still this wall between us, the dipshit beyond the veil. Still, Jake wasn't killing him. He'd need to pull his heart for that, and he seemed more interested in simply keeping out of the play. Matthew, Perdiem said. I heard a hint of annoyance in his voice. Are you ignoring me? Fine. Ellen does the parasite for now. No. Such a relief. What is the firstborn? Ah, excuse me. 
I forget myself. Context is everything, isn't it? You see, I'm not the villain you've painted me as. And yes, I see the glint in your eyes, the anger, the desperation, the fear. I assure you, though, that I am no more your enemy than the breath in your lungs. He spoke so casually it was hard to imagine he was the source of all this horror. He carried himself like a chartered accountant. Eons ago, Per Diem said, before a man began its slow descent into unfiltered madness, destruction, and war, there was balance, a calmness in the universe. I once walked this world, and you know, I drank in its beauty every day, and I bathed in its wonder. I did a small pirouette, breathing deep. It was truly the gem of the universe, of any universe. It was heaven. How much more stories, I growled, my body lurching forward on its own accord. Fuck. My mouth felt thirsty, so dry. I needed to drink something. Jake's blood would do. Yes, it would do just fine. I stepped toward him again, and Perdiam hopped in front of me. Sorry, he said, giving an awkward laugh. I'm almost finished. Then you can do as you please. As I said, context is important, Matthew. My body was desperate for blood. My muscles twitched and spasmed, eyeing Jake. I bottled it, though, pushing it all the way down and put a cork on it. Just a little longer, I told myself. Sooner or later, this cosmic asshole would finish his monologue, and then I could eviscerate my uncle. Perdiem folded his arms, noticing my distraction. The truth is, you humans have ruined everything, haven't you? You spread across the world, erecting steel monuments of greed and slavery, murdering the planet with every step that you take. His face, my brother's face, fell into a snarl. You drained the world of its minerals, its oils, its lifeblood, cast a shadow of poison across it, filling it with waste and fallout. You think yourself gods, but you treat each other as ants. He took another breath and shook as he did so. He was furious and growing angry with every word. His gold eyes began swirling, glowing and brimming with impossible depth. You've murdered the old ones, centuries ago of course, but with wanton cruelty. The words fell from his mouth like a guillotine. You've wiped from the human memory, leaving them only as myths and legends stories lost to time, foolish to believe because they were only ever fictitious. Who are you, I said, surprised to find my voice sounding much more level now. I am a means to an end, Matthew. I am the universe redeeming itself. I am the pride of this world come to exercise the cancer that is man. My father let out a cry, and his massive head dropped to the shore. He gave another swing of his arm, though it was weak now, half-hearted. Maddie, Jake called. I'm serious. Get over here and tell your old man to settle down before I actually kill the fucking prick. My vision exploded into a watercolor of red and I couldn't control myself anymore. Jake! I screamed, launching over per diem. The force of my jump was more than I imagined, and I cleared the gap by wider than I intended. I landed on the far shore, with Jake and my father now between per diem and I. Jake, still eyeless, turned his head to face me as the sound of my body landing the stones reached him. But he was moving slowly, so slowly. I might not be as fast as per diem, but I was faster than Jake. I bounded across the stones, my body long and lanky, but with each step I grew more familiar with it, until eventually I dropped onto all fours and galloped toward my uncle, letting loose a feral screech. He hardly had time to paint his ape face with terror before I was on him, my claws slicing into his sides. He raised an arm to bash me, but I dodged easily. In this form, he moved so slowly it was like killing a snail. I cut into him, over and over. Instinct overtook me, and I understood what I needed to do. I understood what I needed to destroy. This tendon, the nerve cluster. Moments later, I landed on the back of the stones, 
breathing heavily, my long claws wet and red. The sound of fur drifting across fur met my ears, and Jake dropped from my father's backside, lying motionless on the shore. You little fucker, Jake gasped, gnashing his simian jaws. I gave you this, and you... I stepped over him, pressing one of my thin legs to his chest. You gave me a living nightmare, Jake. You took my brother from me. You stole my father. The words were coming easily now. I was getting the hang of the serum. You forced me to become a monster, I leaned down, and the primal piece of me understood this fight was already finished. I cut his tendons a piece. He couldn't move anymore, not for a while at least. Worst of all, my fangs were inches from Jake's manual face. You dosed my brother and stole my mom. I pressed my hand to my chest and my claws digged into his flesh. Maddie sputtered, fear seeping into his tone. Come on now, I did what needed to be done. You know that, deep down. I mean, for fuck's sake, look behind you, kid. I brought the Lord beyond back from the veil. He can fix this world, make it right again. Make it right, I said, tasting his excuse. That's it, Maddie. He's making it right, and yes, a few people have to get hurt, but your brother and I, we've done something incredible. You've done something unforgivable. I tore into his neck with my fangs, drinking his blood, and my body shook with ecstasy. It tasted better than anything I had waited so long. My lord, Jake said, voice weak. His head lolled to the side, gazing toward the monster in my brother's skin. Please, I brought you. Pointless. I already knew Perdiam wasn't going to save him. How could he? Everything he'd just admonished about humanity. Jake embodied. He was the poison, the demon of the shadows, that stole the pride of this world and manipulated it for his own ends. You thought, I grunted, slurping the bread from his neck, that you would be rewarded for your murder, your hate, and your sick bullshit? I lifted my head from his neck. Jake's blood poured from my mouth. I positioned my hand over his large chest, my ears picking up the rapid beating of his terrified heart. You're not greater. I thrust my hands through his ribs and gripped his thumping heart. He let out a scream, one so violent that birds exploded from his roosts, filling the night sky with wings and feathers. I leaned back down, my mouth inches from his ear. I am. My fist closed tight around his heart, crushing it like a peeled orange before pulling it free from his chest in a shower of blood. I closed my eyes, feeling the softness of what remained of his heart in my hand. I felt the warmth of his blood on my body. I tasted it on my lips. The sound of clapping pulled me from my reverie. Per diem strolled out in front of me, smiling enthusiastically. You actually get it, Matthew. You understand the madness of this world, don't you? This isn't the solution, I said, looking at my father. He was bleeding, but I could see the puncture wounds of Jake's jaws beginning to slowly heal. Whatever was in the serum was truly incredible. Horrifying, but incredible. It's a death sentence for humanity. Death sentence? Per diem looked offended. You want to turn everybody into this, don't you? It's the only way to fix this heaven. What sort of heaven is filled with monsters? Perdiam shook his head, placing an incredibly cold hand on my arm. Monsters exist in the hearts of men, Matthew. Look at your uncle. Was his sin being a beast, or was the horror that lived beneath the fur and fangs? The horror of his human aspiration. Jake was an asshole, but a poor example. There's a lot of good people out there. They don't deserve this. No, but they don't deserve to be subjugated either, do they? slaves to a world that gives them pennies for their efforts, while their lords grow fat on the sweat and blood. He leaned close to me, his voice intoxicating. Men treat men like monsters. Matthew, the beasts of the world live by a code, and a simple one. They exist to survive, and little else. They act as their instincts dictate, and even their proliferation, they could never bring the planet to his knees. He clasped his hands behind his back and began circling me. 
Nuclear warfare will be the end of this world. I've seen it. The ash, the fire, and the unimaginable pain. He looked at my grandmother's corpse, still propped up by the water. When that time comes, the dead will be the grateful few. You cannot imagine the horror that awaits your human race. It's not your decision, I snarled. If we fuck things up, we fuck things up on our own terms. Now let my brother go. He paused, paying me a remorseful look. Eric's a powerful vessel, unstable but powerful. To give him up would be to relinquish a millennia of effort. He shook his head. No, I'm afraid I cannot. Many times throughout history, people came close to summoning me, to opening the gateway between our worlds. They made a couple offerings, perhaps, or three, but never four, and never were the hosts so capable. He flexed his hands, and a nearby tree exploded in a shower of bark and leaves. I jumped back, stumbling off of Jake's corpse. I felt stronger than I've ever dreamed, but what? What was this guy capable of? I swallowed, terror beginning to grip me as I realized the gulf between our abilities. What? What was that? Perdiem laughed. That was what I'd been waiting for, he snapped his fingers, and the sky flickered blue before returning the black of night. Eric's even stronger than you, you know. In his body, I can clearly touch the extent of my power. I can almost wield the veil. His eyes twitched. Barring some instance of insubordination, he gave his head an irritated shake, though those should come under control in due time. Point is, Matthew, I've waited far too long to give this up to some name of a single human being emotional experience. He offered me a half smile. I apologize, truly. But it is for the good of us all. The good of us all. I've heard that bullshit before. So what? You gonna wipe us all out? Sayonara humanity? Not at all. I I thought we covered this. I'm gonna make everybody as you are, Matthew. Greater. I'm gonna reroute this world from calamity and back towards simple beauty. I'll make the human mold and cast it into one of the old ones. It's being free from human ambition and horror. You might be surprised to hear that most people don't find werewolves and vampires to be free from horror. Perdiem smirked. Humanity has always feared what it doesn't understand. How's this then, I growled. Jake was every bit the monster he always was. Old one or not. And your serum. That made my brother murder our mother. That was an issue with your family serum, I'm afraid. Perdiem looked down, sighing. Regretful, of course, but ultimately unnecessary. To create a truly pure transformation with a human lifespan would be a near impossible undertaking. He winked and stones began to rise, floating around him. Luckily for me, I suffer no limitations. In this body, I can recreate the old ones in their original image. I can free this world from the shackles of humanity and return it to a simple reality of instinct and survival. You start turning people into monsters and they're going to kill people. Billions, if I'm lucky. You're twisted. I'm necessary. If you could see your world's future, you would grovel at my feet, Matthew. You're too absorbed in your humanity to care. To you, the only thing that matters is, he patted his chest, your brother and the rest of your family. You lack the perspective to see things on a scale so wide as I. So, his endgame was turning everybody into a monster in the name of stopping some future nuclear wasteland. I clenched my fist, my claws dicking into my flesh. If that were true, it would almost justify it. Almost. But it meant removing the one thing we possessed, our free will. There was a chance we didn't devolve in a nuclear war, wasn't there? A chance we figured this shit out as human beings. I had to trust in that. It was all I had left. Let Eric go, I snarled. I was done negotiating, done listening to his rationalizations. I wanted my brother back, and I didn't care how powerful this dickhead was. I'm not going to let you turn this world into monsters. Per diem laughed. Too late. The world's already full of monsters. 
They just look like you, so you don't mind so much. I racked my mind for a way out of this. How was I supposed to force him out of Eric? I had no fucking clue. This was always Eric's area of expertise. The planning. The know-how. I hated myself for not reading more of the cave's books when I'd had the chance. Maybe there was some mention of a way to reverse the ritual. Yes, that was it. If Per Diem had walked the earth before and been banished, then there was definitely a way to send him back. I just needed to figure out how. I think I'll go ahead and get started, Per Diem said. What? He stepped into the river. No, he stepped onto it. He walked along the water, to the center of the current. This is where I, I was chained, you know? A bit further upstream, but still, it's almost poetic that this should also be where I deliver this world to redemption. He took a deep breath and raised his arms, and the water drifted upward, dancing around him. Sit tight, Matthew. Soon I'll show you that change is a necessary part of our universe, and that some change is inevitable. Fuck, right now? He was going to turn the whole world right now? Jesus. I looked around me, desperately hoping for some way to stop this, some way to end this. But I didn't have a library here. I didn't have any counterspells or ways of reversing the summoning ritual. I just had me, my Komodo's father, and the dagger. I swallowed, staring at the gleaming blade on the shore. It was silver, but its hilt wasn't. I couldn't grab it, use it. Sarthu, Perdiem said, his voice so loud the trees shifted. Barthul Nal Shri. I didn't know how long his spell would take, but I did know I was running out of time. I screamed in the night and bashed my fist in the stone shore. What was I supposed to do? What options did I even have anymore? My mother's voice echoed in my mind. Matthew, please! Part 15 Per diem, I shouted, hoping I could distract him. Maybe buy myself some time. Buy everybody some time. Tell me about the old ones. Tell me about the veil. Osonali, Voltoro, Yith. His voice was everywhere, and it felt thick with power. The river water swirled about him, a cascading spire of green and black. Sin pleureur. Fucking hell. It was no use. Apparently he'd had his fill with waxing philosophical lecturing on and lecturing me on all the reasons human beings sucked. He was focused now, determined to finish his incantation. Soon, the whole world would turn into a breeding ground for monsters like Jake, and I'd be out of a family. Think, Matt. God damn it, think. The dagger. It was an option, but one I didn't want to use. I eyed it, resting upon the stones and gleaming in Per Diem's light show. It could kill Jake and Nolan, but could it kill the bastard they were born to appease? I gripped my rows of teeth and stared at the entity wearing Eric's skin. My brother didn't ask for this. He had never wanted to be dosed with that serum. He'd never wanted to become a vessel for this eldritch dipshit. He wanted to be an engineer, start a small family, and make video games in his spare time. Thinking about using the dagger my little brother made me feel like crying, but in this form I wasn't certain that I could. Instead, my body just swelled with frustration and my muscles grew tight and swollen, building with energy. I could reach per diem from here. I could jump the length of the river and get it at him. My eyes swiveled to the dagger. I could drive it through his heart. As I was now, I knew my aim wouldn't be an issue. But it wasn't fair to Eric, and I doubted I could live knowing I'd killed my own brother. Matthew, please! I shook the memory. Not now, Mom. Not now. You're in quite the predicament, aren't you, son? The voice was faint. Difficult to make out, but it was there. Somebody had spoken to me. I swung my vision around. Dad was still unconscious on the shore, and Pradian was still bellowing his chant. Then who? No! I spun around to Jake and breathed a sigh of relief. 
He was every bit as dead as I had made him, which only left... My eyes shifted to Grandma. There was no way. I leapt and landed in front of her, showering her blackened corpse in an upkick of stones. She still looked dead enough, although I'd been burned for thinking that twice tonight already. A memory tugged at my mind. Nola had mentioned that I'd required four offerings to summon per diem. Himself and Jake had counted for two, and my dad would have been the third. I figured that since the bastard actually did get summoned, that I must have counted for the fourth, even though Nolan suspected I didn't meet the criteria. After all, I might not have been a full cryptid at that point, but I did have multiple doses of serum on my belt, and was well on the way to becoming one. Even still, when I'd left Nolan, he was at death's door. Would he have counted? Or was there another monster out here? I stared at my grandma's rotting corpse, my enhanced sense of smell really noticing just how pungent she reeked. It made sense that she could be the fourth, I mean. Who's better than the woman who started it all? Grandma, I said, laying a gentle, blood-smeared set of claws on her shoulder. Are you alive? Lord help me if you're speaking to a dead woman, the voice again. But it wasn't coming from Grandma. In fact, it sounded like masculine on second hearing. I wheeled around. It might be we don't have much hope after all. Where are you, I hissed. Who are you? I had per diem, relieved to see him still absorbed in his ritual. As a bonus, his voice echoed around us, drowning our conversation. Up here, kid. I glanced upward. All I saw were trees and dark sky. It was a bird. I felt thoroughly confused. Because was I getting pranked in the middle of the apocalypse? A branch shifted and then another. Leaves rustled, but strangely, only on a single tree. The one directly in front of me. A little lower, said the voice. I, I moved my eyes down from the top of the tree toward the thicker air of the trunk. And... Was it a face in the bark? Bingo, the face moved. Or its mouth did. Didn't think that the next time I saw you, I'd be looking at that. Well, whatever it is that I'm looking at. I tried to place the voice, but I couldn't. It was definitely a man's, but entirely unfamiliar. Do I know you? The tree shrugged, its branches dipping and rising like I'd been struck with a stiff wind. Not so much, I suspected no of me. But when you and I met, you weren't at the age to be remembering much of anything. I took a step toward the tree glancing cautiously toward per diem. He was still distracted, or perhaps more accurately, he could care less what I was doing. To him, I was a speck, insignificant, non-threatening. I stared at the face of the bark, and it looked like somebody I'd seen in an old photograph. Hang on, Grandpa? Wish I had a prize to give you, Matthew. The two small indentations that resembled eyes widened, and its carved mouth curved into a smile. I see Gail's little experiment has, has really taken off. I swallowed, looking back over the shore, taking in the carnage. Jake's corpse, split open with his crushed heart lying unceremoniously on his chest. Grandma's rotting cadaver, complete with fungus growing upon her blackened face. Dad's monstrous body, wheezing for breath in a pool of his own blood. And there, hanging in midair over the river, surrounded by swirling tongues of water, Eric, my brother, possessed by an entity from another dimension. Yeah, you could say that. I looked back to the tree, to my grandpa. You died when I was young. Did she do this to you? At my request, yes. Cancer, you know. Terrible disease. And I thought I could do some more years of looking at this fine river. She placed my soul under the wood itself. His soul was part of the wood? That sounded like insanity to me. How was something like that even possible? Mixing man and wolf DNA to make a werewolf seemed, at least in some regards, within the bounds of human science. But this? He must have read the confusion on my face. It's actually a simpler bit of magic. That's what happened to you, if you're curious. 
I am, I said. But I don't have time to hear the details. How long have you been here? He sighed, his branches sloping downward. Two decades, and to be honest with you, I've spent most of them sleeping. So much for watching the river, eh? Thurnaz Diris, Per Diem bellowed. His voice was rising, bit by bit, growing into crescendo. I didn't know a damn thing about the spells, but I had a hunch more enthusiasm wasn't exactly a good thing. Grandpa, I need to know, is there anything I can do to stop this? You must have overheard Grandma's mention the ritual and the offerings. He chuckled, overheard. I was the one who turned her into it. Where do you think she got all that books? I shook my head. What? I was an archaeologist in life, boy. Dug up those dusty old tomes during our excavations. It was a real pain getting them home. But after I read what was inside of them, there was no way I could leave them be. He paused. His eyes drifted up to look at Perdiem. Like I said, I've been asleep the past two decades. A good sleep, too. Until that bastard blew apart one of my trees. That's Eric, I said. That bastard's taken over your grandson's body. So I've gathered. I need a way to stop this, please. I dropped to my knees, feeling hopeless. If I don't, then he's going to turn the whole fucking world into monsters. Watch your language, Matthew, Grandpa said with a sternness. I could hardly believe given the circumstances. Still, I understand your dilemma. To be honest with you, I never expected to reach this point. The rituals and spells listed to those books, they seemed to a gateway to immortality, to having a shot at enjoying life beyond our normal lifespan. That's not what it's turned into. Billions of people are going to die, Grandpa. I need to stop this. I need to save Eric. Then you need to burn Per Diem's corpse. Great. Like I had that lying around. I don't have that kind of time, I snarled. I need to do something now. You can do it now, you nit. But you'll need to do it quickly. If he catches wind of you, it ain't gonna end well. The tree, Grandpa, shuddered. I should know. I felt what he's capable of. Listen to me and listen well, Matthew. Up the river near Jake's fishing dock is where Perdiem's corpse was sealed. Happens to be why you brought this crappy old patch of land so many years ago. Okay, Jake's dock. Perdiem's corpse is enclosed in a tomb, and that tomb acts as his gateway. If you can pull his corpse free, light it aflame, you can end this all for good. Great. That actually didn't sound terribly impossible by tonight's standards. I'm on it. Then get a move on. I'm about ten minutes away from my life's legacy and being the damn apocalypse. Right, I nodded. Thank you, Grandpa. I tore across the shore. Jake's dock was about a half a mile up the river, but it didn't take more than a minute to reach. Once I had, I took one cursory glance back at Per Diem, making sure he hadn't noticed me. Of course he had, arrogant prick. He kept himself busy chanting, though the sky had begun flickering with snaps of lightning and the river's current had turned all wonky. It swirled in places, then reversed in other places. Whatever he was doing, it was affecting the planet itself. Bottoms up, I muttered. I stepped out the dock, plunging into the black water. If I'd done this as a human, I'd have almost certainly have been pulled away by the current and drowned. Maybe after bashing my head off a few rocks now, huh? I could fight the current, force myself deeper in the river. The inky black wasn't a problem for my eyes either. The underwater landscape was painted for me in brushstrokes of red and yellow, as vibrant as the cabin had been yesterday afternoon. Looking below me, though, I noticed the river was a lot deeper than I thought. Even with my new eyes, I could barely make up the bottom. If I had to guess, I'd say it must have been close to 150 meters, maybe more. The thing was incredible. I treaded the water, searching for what Grandpa had described. It took me a minute, but I caught sight of it. There, de- deep, so damn deep. It was near the center of the channel and mostly buried by sediment and rock. But there was no doubt about it. That was a stone tomb, complete with the same creepy rune carvings by the summoning circle. 
I swam toward it, the shifting current pulling me to and fro. Once I reached the bottom, I positioned myself against a rock with my hands on the tomb's lid. I pushed with everything I had, and the thing barely moved. It must have been a couple tons, way more than it looked. Maybe the effect of some kind of spell. Alright, change of plans. I crouched, leveraging the river's bottom to help me lift the lid. After some struggling, I managed to get the lid up, just enough that I could push it free of the tomb. It thudded to the ground with a low rumble. That was the hard part done with. Now all that was left was snagging per diem's corpse. I stared into the tomb, looking at a creature I couldn't comprehend. It resembled nothing I had ever seen before, with its face all wrong and covered in eyes. On either side of its head were two mouths, each lined with hundreds of teeth. Call me a hypocrite, but even as a lanky vampire, I thought he looked pretty fucking gross. I lifted the freaky corpse from the tomb and pressed off of the river floor, towards the surface. Now I just needed to light this thing on fire and call it a day. Something struck me hard. My jaw felt like it nearly came clean off my face. I recoiled, spinning through the water while I lost my grip on Perdiem's body. I shook off the daze and stared at the last person in the world I wanted to see down here, Eric. He opened his mouth to a flurry of bubbles, but that was fine, because I could hear his voice in my mind anyway. Digging for treasure, Matthew? I merely indicated I had been chained upstream. Interesting for you to have found my corpse so readily. I gurgled a spirited fuck you in response. You're foolish to think you can rid of me so easily. That body has no heart. It has no weakness. The pain exploded across my stomach, and I looked down to see Per Diem's fist buried in my gut. I wheezed. The last of my air pushed out of my lungs. God, this guy was fast. You've proved more of a liability than I expected. Take solace knowing that I will see to your death personally. An execution by a being of my stature is a pleasure few have shared. His hand, my brother's hand, gripped my neck. I grasped at it, pulled with every ounce of strength I had. The same strength that managed to move the impossibly heavy slab of stone moments ago, but it was worthless. Per Diem hardly registered my resistance. I see it now. Your memories are split open to me. The crude things that they are. He flung me, and my neck snapped as he did. My body launched through the water, up into the air, soaring through the dark of night, before landing against the trees and the crash of dirt and leaves. I groaned, still alive, but in so much pain. So this is what Jake had gone through. I knew I wasn't dying, but it didn't make the experience any less shitty. Fucking space demon, I spat. Blood leaking from my mouth, then struggled to my feet. I couldn't move my head so much as an inch. Not good. I shifted my entire body sideways. I could see per diem, wearing my brother and floating above the river, staring at me. Had he finished his ritual then, or had I just managed to distract him? Given how pissed he looked, I was betting on the latter. So, per diem laughed, drifting towards me, hovering over the treetops. You've been speaking with your grandfather, have you? Yeah, I have, I swallowed. So the bastard could really read my memories. Had it happened when he grabbed my throat? Something Greg kids do from time to time. I hated how weak my voice sounded, how weak my body felt compared to him. Even after I'd thrown everything away to become a cryptid, after all of this, it still wasn't enough to face the guy on even footing. You recommend you burn my body, was it? Fuck. In light of that, I think I'd give both of you a taste of your human depravity. You see, like Jake was a poor example of my vision, so too do you appear, Matthew, and yes, you too, Harold. In fact, it looks like the serum's penchant for sentence has rendered it quite useless in my world to come. Purple ribbons of light began dancing around per diem, casting my brother's face in a creepy, ethereal glow. I'll begin from scratch, regretful, perhaps, after all you've done to save this dying world, but necessary. 
The trees shifted, and I saw my grandfather's face grow in the trunk of all their surrounding me. His eyebrows bristled, the indentations in the wood gazing up at per diem. Gail was wrong to bring you about. I was wrong to speak of you to her. The text described you as benevolent, but you're as twisted as a devil. I assure you, you won't suffer your regret for long. He spoke a word in a language I didn't know, and in a flash of red and orange, the treetops were lit ablaze. Part 16 Branches crackled and snapped overhead, falling to the forest floor in crashes of sparks and cinder. My grandpa's face and the tree trunk surrounding me howled. You'd destroy the whole wood? That's the wonderful thing about this planet, Per Diem said. It always grows back. Without the madness of man, I suspect it'll return even more expansive, greener, and more full of life than ever before. He descended slowly, drifting through the flame-kissed canopy. You see, he said, touching down the dirt next to us, in the world to come, I cannot allow you to whisper your poison into the minds of my children. You must be amputated from this earth, Harold. You'd fuck yourself if you could manage it, wouldn't you, I said. You really do love listening to your own bullshit. Perdiam glanced over his shoulder, staring at me for a moment before striking me in the chest with the back of his hand. I let out a wheeze as my body rocketed backward. Branches cutting at me as cleared the tree line and crumpled onto the stone shore. Pain bloomed in my right ankle, and I looked down to see it twist in the entirely wrong direction. Fuck. Vampire or not, that didn't look good. I tried to stand back up, but only stumbled to the ground. My damn foot couldn't support my weight. I set my jaw, hating my big mouth. There was no way I could get back to Perdiem's corpse like this. The currents had been enough of a struggle with two working feet. If I tried to dive in now, I'd be at their mercy, and probably end up getting diced apart on some rocks. I needed to do something, though. I wasn't dead yet, and the flames were definitely getting hotter. If I let this drag out, I didn't have a pile of ash or some melted flesh on a grotesque skeleton. I may not have his corpse, but I did have one of other options, and it was close at hand. The dagger. I took a moment to weigh my options before realizing I no longer had any. I grunted, crawling toward the blade. I'm sorry, Eric. This wasn't the ending either of us wanted. Hell, I hadn't even wanted to come back to this nightmare cabin, but looking back, would it really have made any difference if we hadn't? Like Jake said, he would have just picked up some wayward hitchhikers and dosed them in our place. The world would still be ending, but I wouldn't even have the chance to save it. I reached the blade and gripped the leather hilt, breathing a sigh of relief. No agonizing burning sensation. Good. I rolled on the side to get my bearings, then crawled toward Per Diem, who was still speaking to my grandfather's face in the tree bark. As I neared them, I caught wind of their conversation. I'm sorry, Grandpa said to Per Diem, to every damn person alive. Sorry for even looking at those damn books when I should have tossed them in the blasted kiln and never looked back. I imagine you'll be arriving in the afterlife soon enough. You can tell them yourself. You're a demon, Grandpa's voice broke off as a blazing section of canopy fell from the treetops, crashing to the earth in a flurry of spark and flame. One damn near fell on top of me, kicking up red-hot cinders and searing my flesh, but I held them my tongue, not daring to make a sound while I was still close to Per Diem. Sorry, Harold, Per Diem said breaking into a fit of laughter. You were saying something? Go to hell, Grandpa groaned, flames licking at his face in the tree trunk. All you deserve. Hell is such a human concept, isn't it? Perdiem clasped his hands behind his back. To live in a world so terrible and so full of horror that you create a place in your mind even worse, just to feel more comfortable in your suffering. Truly insane. I clawed closer, using his words as cover for my movements. Well, that and the falling sky... A heavy snap sounded above and I froze, then nearly shit myself as a branch smashed into a thicket next to me, exploding in a towering inferno. Fuck, that was close. Too close. 
The only insanity I see is what's standing in front of me, Grandpa said. You don't belong in this world. Now get out and leave us be. On the contrary. A splash sounded from the river. Then another one. This time absolutely massive. Drops of water sizzled down from the treetops and I paused. Now just a few feet away from per diem, the dagger still clutched firmly in my hand. I shifted my body sideways so that I could get a good look at the water. The river wasn't far from us, but it was difficult to make out through the smoke. Focus, Matt. I had long since lost the luxury of worrying about splashes. I had to end this now and quickly, for Eric, for all of us. I raised the dagger, lurching another inch closer to per diem in. Something, cla- something crashed through the canopy, landing the blazing thicket next to me with a wet thud. I froze, my mind racing. In the short span of time I had seen this thing falling, I was almost certain I was I recognized it. What I didn't understand was how it got into the air and out of the river. Because that thing was Perdiem's corpse. The cosmic dick didn't waste any time acknowledging it. His face snarling in rage and he dashed toward his now softly smoking corpse, cursing in a language I didn't know or care to know. He didn't so much as look at me as he moved to step by me. I wouldn't be able to close the distance enough, quick enough for a kill shot, but I could slow him down. Maybe long enough for his corpse to burn, and then I could get Eric out of here. We might both die in a forest fire, but that seemed a good deal better than being slaved to a jackass for the rest of eternity. I swung the dagger and caught Per Diem unaware, right through his calf. He staggered to a knee, letting loose a feral roar. Steam hissed from the wound, in the exact way I'd done when I'd used the scalpel on Nolan. Good, so Silver could hurt him. He wheeled on me, kicking the dagger free of my hand. You! he screamed. I smirked, happy with that his arrogance, if nothing else, had given me the chance to deliver some kind of pain upon him. He reached down to grab me, but shock painted his features and he fell forward, flat on his face. The hell? I looked past him. A massive long tentacle had wrapped itself around his leg and was pulling him away from me. He spun around, kicking free of the appendage and snapping it open in a shower of blood. It recoiled, racing back to where it had come from, racing back to the river. I squinted through the black smoke and my jaw dropped. A massive creature rose in the water, surrounded by an army of snapping tentacles. It looked like a sea monster, or some kind of kraken. Was this another one of Grandma's experiments? If it was, I had no idea that it could get this Titanic. Oh, what a lovely surprise, Perdiem growled, rising to his feet and staring daggers at the creature in the river. More insubordination, my favorite human flaw. Another tentacle flung out, but he dodged easily. This time he placed his hands on it as he passed him, then gripped it with a more powerful squeeze his fingers digging into his flesh. Letting loose a roar, he pulled the tentacle apart, drenching Eric in crimson blood and causing the sea monster to writhe in agony. He seized his opening and dashed for the corpse, which now snapped and popped in the roaring flames. Before he could reach it, though, three more tentacles raced out, snatching him in their grasp and pulling him through the woods. His hands clutched the dirt helplessly, desperately trying to grab into anything he could, but it was useless. A moment later, the tentacles lifted him up and stole him from the tree line, over the river. He dangled there, pulling apart the appendages of the sea creature. But every time he did, two more would take their place. Eventually, the monster had him wrapped in ten of them, so much that Per Diem's shouts of rage had been suffocated entirely. My memories came back to me. I recalled Jake and Grandma's conversation about Mom, mentioning that she'd gone for a swim and had one last dose of the serum. They mentioned that during a horrible week, she had been watching us from the river. Then was that thing Mom? I said weakly. The kraken squealed as Per Diem continued to tear it, quite literally limb from limb. I looked around, searching for the dagger, in case it came to it, but couldn't see anything. There was so much chaos in the forest now, the blaze and smoke made it impossible to discern much of anything. He'll kill her, 
I looked up, seeing Grandpa's pained face in the tree bark in front of me. He'll kill my sweet Alice, and then he'll come and pull his corpse free of the flames. He sounded so defeated, so morose. The body's already burning. If she can just hold him for a little longer. An angry scream rang out, followed by several deafening splashes. Through the trees, I saw my mother collapse in the river, either dead or defeated. Mom! I shouted. You have to stop him, Matthew. I'm unable to affect things as I am. I crawled toward her. Make sure the corpse burns, Grandpa shouted. You can't do anything for her, but you can still make the world right. Again, I felt the strange sensation of wanting to cry but being unable to. I bashed my head on the ground, my body feeling so hot I could barely think. The only thing that offered me any protection from the damn heat was the DNA and old leather jacket, but even that barely covered a half my torso. Per diem crashed in front of me, landing beside the thicket where his body burned. I'd never seen him look desperate before, but he certainly looked the part now. It made sense now. He needed to save himself, and didn't waste any time. He strode into the flames, kneeling to retrieve his corpse. Thick black smoke billowed from the many-eyed abomination. It was melting, but slowly. How much longer would it take? It was clearly made of stronger stuff than human flesh. Perdiem turned and exited the inferno, and I saw just how much damage he'd suffered. His eyes, once cold and flecked with gold, were now faded. Empty things. Steam hissed from them, and from every other opening in his face. His mouth, his ears, and even his nose. He was dying. I just had to slow him down, only a little longer. I staggered to my feet, ignoring the anguish of standing on my snapped foot. He strode past me, so arrogant that he didn't even bother to look my way. I'd changed that. I lunged, swiping at it with a set of serrated claws, splitting open Eric's backside in a shower of sizzling blood. That should slow him down some. He kept walking, unconcerned. The wounds on his backside healed nearly as soon as they'd appeared the flesh stitching itself back together as though by magic. Wait, I shouted. I had to get his attention. I had to keep him where he was in the heat. We were so close, so damn close. This couldn't end with him just walking away. I said, wait, you fucker. Die in this fire, Matthew, Perdiem said, his voice echoing on the wood. He didn't so much as look over his shoulder at me. You're unworthy of death by my hand. I opened my mouth to goad him again, but I knew it was helpless. He wasn't as stupid as Jake without the dagger. I didn't have a way to stop him. I needed silver. Perdiem reached a clearing and stopped. Then his feet left the ground, and he began drifting upward. The son of a bitch was going to fly out of here, leave the rest of us to die, and then turn the world into monsters. And I let it all happen. I gave it my humanity to stop this and set things right, and all I managed was to convince Perdiem to start a forest fire. I had nothing left. I'd lost the dagger. I'd lost the fight. All I was, the old leather jacket, heart full of regrets. Wait, my jacket... I swallowed all of my fear, prepared myself for the agony that come, and then launched myself at Perdiem. I soared through the air, my ankles screaming at me, and my heartbeat thundering in my chest. I reached a hand inside my jacket, and pain exploded across my palm. Tendrils of steam hissed from my, clo- my closed fist as I rose my hand in the air, holding the silver scalpel I'd pocketed in the cave. I collided with Perdiem, catching him by surprise and buried the scalpel into his back. He had unleashed an otherworldly scream as the two of us plummeted back to earth, crashed into the dirt in a cloud of ash and cinder. I moved to reorient to myself, but he was faster. He dropped his corpse at his feet and reached for me. His eyes filled with a fury I'd never seen before, and likely would never see again. I recoiled, knowing this was it. It was finished. But his arm never reached me. His hand hovered in midair between us, shaking while his expression was a mess of confusion and rage. Insubordinate. Vessel. Unhand me. I didn't know what was going on, but I reached down, 
pulling Per Diem's corpse out from beneath him. He gazed helplessly at me, his whole body shaking as he willed it to response, but it stayed locked in place. Was that Eric's doing? No time to think on that. With a grunt, I flung the many-eyed bastard back to the blazing thicket, its flames raging taller and fiercer than before. Per Diem screamed and my brother must have lost his hold on him because he stepped toward me. But he stumbled, steam now exploding from his eyes, his mouth, his ears. He roared in the night, his voice no longer the gentle, human thing it had resembled, but now infernal and horrible. I am! His body fell forward, landing with unceremonious thud on the forest floor, silent, unmoving. Dead, I said. I gazed down at my hand, where I'd gripped the scalpel. The flesh had melted through the bone, even the small second I'd held it. Turns out that silver trick really came in handy. I limped over to my brother and tore off a strip from his hoodie, wrapping around his mouth and nose. Not much, but it might slow the smoke inhalation some. Thanks, Uncle Nolan. I wrapped my jacket around him for extra shielding and lifted Eric's comatose body into my arms. I looked back to the river shore, where I knew my father still lay as a massive, lumbering troll. I'm sorry, Dad, I said. I couldn't move him. Not like this. There was hope for Eric, though. His face was ghostly white and his breathing was labored, but he was alive. I needed to get us clear of the smoke and heat as fast as I could. Jake's truck would do the trick. It was nearly tucked into the woods and on the side of the road not far from here, and if I could get to it, I had my money that the keys would still be in the ignition. I limped toward the road, through the woods, through the crumbling branches and the heat and the flames. Thank you, Grandpa, I called. Not sure if he could hear me or if he was even still alive. How much of the trees had been burned down before his soul died with them? Don't thank me, said his voice, though it was strained and hoarse. You did good, son. I could faintly make out his face materializing the bark of the trees with the smoke. You make sure you boys get clear of here. You tell the world what happened. Tell the world, I said, stumbling as I made my way up a hill bank. Cutting straight through the wood meant getting to the truck quicker, but it also meant the train was untamed. The hell would I want to do that for? If my hunch is right, they're going to be wondering. His face followed me, appearing on the trees as I limped through the wood. Her diem, by my guess, didn't finish his ritual, but I'll bet he was at least partway there. Part were there. Are you saying that some people might have turned? His face crinkled in the bark. That's it, yeah. There's reports of strangeness or brutality out there. People need to be aware of what it could. His voice tapered off, replaced by a long, pain groan. Of what it could mean, kid. Up ahead was Jake's truck. I could make out its bright white, the smoke and trees. I'll do that, Grandpa. I turned to him as Eric and I cleared the tree line. Goodbye. Bye, Matthew. I pulled the truck door handle and opened. Unlocked. Good. That was step one dealt with. I loaded Eric into the passenger sheet and shut the door, making my way to the other side. I slid in my lanky vampire body hunched over and compressed, but I couldn't have been happier. The keys were dangled from the ignition. I turned them, and the engine roared to life. The truck shook as the tree keeled over next to us, crashing in a fury of sparks and flames. Time to go. I slammed my foot in the gas, and my brother and I tore away from the cabin and blazed down the mountain road one last time. So I guess that brings us to now. A lot's happened since the drive under the mountain, but I'll try and fill in the blanks for you. By the time we got clear of the blaze, the forest was swarming with first responders. I got their attention with a few blasts of the horn before beating a hasty retreat back into the woods. I'm mostly certain that nobody saw me. I didn't hear any screams, and I still hadn't seen any found footage of a lanky vampire slinking to the tree line, so that's good. The grandma's cabin burned to an ash, along with most of the mountain. Nobody found any sign of a Sasquatch or troll, or Kraken for that matter. 
but they did find a strange cave with a lot of interesting books, as well as the dead man they've been unable to ID. There's not much news about it, but there's word that the fire was caused by a cult ritual gone wrong, which I mean, it's pretty bang on. I headed up there about a few months afterward, once the investigation wrapped up. I spent a few days wandering up and down the river, calling out for mom. I hadn't been certain per diem had killed her that night, but after the third day of nothing, I accepted that she was gone. I lost her for a second time. I made a small memorial for her and everybody else. It wasn't much, just some twigs strapped together and some rocks piled up, but it was something to remember my family by. I always thought of them as absentee and aloof, unreliable. I figured they were all gone or didn't care about my brother and I, but the night showed me how wrong I was. Our dad had driven a hundred miles to get to the cabin and save our skin. Our mom had been watching us from the river and did her best to raise Eric while Jake was dosing him with serum. Grandma and Grandpa didn't understand what they were getting into with per diem, and once Grandpa had realized, he gave me the information I needed to stop him. And Uncle Noel, well, he had been there from the start since we were boys, trying to warn us and protect us, even while struggling with his own humanity. None of them were perfect, but when the chips were down, they showed up, to me. They're heroes, and I miss them dearly. It's been a couple months now, and I understand that Eric's mostly recovered. Well, as much as he can be. He, was tr- he has trouble walking, and I can see him struggle just getting to the car at times, but he seems happy to be alive. I don't know if he knows that I'm alive, or knows what I've become. Sometimes, when I check on him at night, I swear he looks back at me. I wonder if he's seen me in the shadows, but he never said anything, or even really reacted. He just gets back to whatever he was doing. Every now and then I catch bits of the news through old newspapers. I guess Eric told investigators that he and I had gone up to pack our grandma's things, but that the fire kicked up while I was out for a hike. He couldn't find me, but the blaze got so bad he had to get himself down the mountain. He says that he blacked out from smoke inhalation just before the first responders got to him. Not a bad story, all things considered. The authorities believe it, and nobody's trying to pin him with any arson charges. Blame has fallen instead on the John Doe in the cave. A stranger they found surrounded by candles and ritual books. Even in death, Nolan's looking out for Eric. Actually, these days, everybody's looking out for Eric. He's sort of the become the de facto poster boy for tragedy in the country. Saddest guy around. Lost his mother as a kid, then his grandmother, and then when he went to clear up her effects, lost the rest of his family in a freak forest blaze. I'm sure he hates the attention, but it's better than the apocalypse. As for me, I'm getting used to being a monster. I think Jake must have taken a different serum to turn himself back into a man, because it's been a while now and I still feel like I'm becoming less human as time goes on. My foot's healed though, and I'm back to leaping tall buildings in a single bound and racing locomotives. In fact, there's a train that runs through my new patch of woods, about 10 miles from where Grandma set up a shop with her cabin. There's a lot of game for me to hunt over there, and I mostly stay out of the way of people. Mostly. It's getting harder these days. Deer blood and rabbit blood just doesn't have the same taste as Jake's did. And yes, he might have been a Sasquatch, but his blood was human as it could be. It tasted delicious. On that note, I'll be signing off with this last update. There's some hikers nearby and they're distracting the hell out of me. It's tough to focus when I'm near people, you know? It's like I can smell their blood through their skin. Fuck, that sounds creepy. But there it is. I'm a vampire. What do you want from me? Seriously, though, I hope they head back down the mountain soon. After all, it's nearly dark. And that was the conclusion of the uh, Mysteries of the Cryptids, guys. Next week, we're going to move on to Jagged Janus. It's another one of the uh, creatures from the facility. 
shared universe that we've talked about for Born Beach. And then after that, we have a couple more stories, such as uh, Snippity Snap. We're going to go back to that. We're also going to do The Callous Man, Mr. Gallows. And then we're going to do one of the weeks, we're going to do one of my original stories. So we have that to look forward. So we have a couple of weeks of packed purely of, uh, of content. So I hope you guys enjoyed this story. I really wanted to thank Born Beach for letting me do another one of his um, another one of his stories. They're really great, and I, I really enjoyed this one specifically. It was really creative, and I, I, I had a good time reading it. So come back next week, and we'll check out Jagged Janice. And until next time, guys, always remember to face your fears. <laughs>